Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. This week, we are going to be talking about the 2023 movie, Your Place or Mine, starring Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher has grown up really nice. Listen, age has done him some good. He was so handsome in this movie. He looks so grown up. He does. He grew into that jawbone, man. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> the jawline is nice. Yeah. And then Reese Witherspoon looks the exact same as she's always looked. The thing is, Reese Witherspoon looks younger in this movie than she has in any other show that I've seen her in, like movie or show that I've seen her in in the last 10 years. So I feel like there has to be some like Hollywood magic going on with like lighting and makeup and like maybe hemorrhoid cream. Ritual sacrifices. Ritual sacrifices. Are you just not going to ask questions about hemorrhoid creams? Oh, no, I know about the hemorrhoid cream. You put it under your eyes Mm -hmm. and it like restricts the blood vessels. But you have to get the Canadian stuff, the good, good ingredient. They don't use it in um, America anymore. It's so wild to me that people are putting creams that are meant for your literal butthole under their eyes so they can look younger. And I'm just asking for a friend. How do we get that as a prescription? You can get it as a prescription, but you just need to tell your doctor that you have hemorrhoids. You have to tell your doctor. You have, do I have to show him or can he just take my word for it? You know what? I would ask him just to take your word for it. I'll look into it. Like prescription hemorrhoid cream. Because my God, I mean, she looks incredible. She Listen, she's still hot. A hundred percent. And you know what? This movie really like showed me how Ashton Kutcher was able to pull Mila Kunis. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I get it. I get it. So our movie starts with a flashback. So this flashback happens 20 years before the movie takes place, which would be 2003. We start off with Reese Witherspoon's character. Her name is Debbie and Mm -hmm. Ashton Kutcher's character. His name is Peter. And they are Mm -hmm. just making out. And I'm kind of salty that we didn't get a meet cute. We don't know how they met. They were playing a poker game. Yeah. But how do they meet? Oh, I don't know. I don't know how they met, but I know before the making out, they were playing a poker game. I mean, isn't that what always happens? You're playing poker and you just get all hot and bothered. No. (laughs) (laughs) I get angry, okay? I'm so competitive. I feel like games like poker games or board games, I don't know if they make the best date situation because it's not fun to lose and like somebody's going to lose. You don't want the guy to let you win. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want anybody to let me win. But if you beat the guy and he like flips the table over, red flag. Yeah. Yum. I love those. <laughs> um, you know what? We're going to make up a meet cute for them. We're going to assume mm-hmm. that they were at college. She walked into the wrong class. Hmm. Because she's Elle Woods and she's a little ditzy. Okay. He walked into the wrong class. Okay. Because he's Ashton Kutcher and he's a little mm-hmm. ditzy. Yeah. That was their meet cute. They met in class because one of them was in the wrong class. It doesn't fit into our meet cute bingo card. Someone needs to drop something, get something spilled on them or eat shit. You know what? She got something spilled on her. He spilled his beer on her. Okay. In class. He was drinking beer in class. Your story is falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> My story. Okay. No, not in class. Okay. No, no, no. They were at a party. Okay. And then he spilled his beer on her. Or he like opened up the beer and does beer it like sprayed. Op- sprays everywhere. Okay. Totally. And then, yeah, her top got wet and he had to help her dry it. And then, yeah, totally. Love it. Me totally cute. done. It does seem like it was a one night stand because it doesn't seem like they mm-hmm. weren't dating or anything. They were just having a poker night and they just jumped each other's bones. 
Yeah. And he's like, I can't believe you own your own house. She owns her own house in California in 2003. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that was before the recession. So it makes sense. It totally checks out. They were giving mortgages away like freaking candy. It was like, do you have a job? No. Okay. But are you thinking of getting a job? Yes. Approved. No, no job. Um, Have you ever won a scratch off lottery ticket? Yes. <laughs> done. Do you know what? Show me your vision board and, yes. and we'll use that on your mortgage application. Have you ever bought a coffee at Starbucks? Yes. You can afford this house. <laughs> You're good. So he's like, I can't believe you own your own home. And they're like taking each other's clothes off. They're making out. And he's like, can I move in with you when I destroy my life? And she's like, absolutely, you can. The things he's saying as they're unclothing and making out and about to hook up, they are so unattractive because he says like, I want to be a writer. I want you to read my story. Like, (laughs) There is nothing that would make me run from the hills quicker than someone telling me they have a manuscript they want me to read. I don't want to read your manuscript ever. I don't want to read any. I don't want to read my own manuscript. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I get the same way. I was just cringing inside like, oh my God. And that's when she's like, shh, no more words. No more words. You know what? I think if you're a one night stand, you should keep your words and your dreams and your aspirations tucked deep inside yourself. That's fair. Along with your Catholic shame about what you're about to do. Just shove it in there. Put it all in together. It pans away from their apparent one night stand and goes to 20 years later. And they both wake up in what looks like the same bed. Yeah, for a second, you think that they've been together for 20 years, but it's just yeah. it's just a trick of the camera because even though yeah. they're talking in bed, they are actually in different cities. They're talking on the phone. Yeah, she's in LA and he is in New York. Yeah, and apparently 20 years after hooking up, they are best friends. They're the kind of friends that talk to each other all day long. Does that sound familiar to you? <laughs> no. No, I totally don't send you 1500 voice messages throughout the day just narrating my entire life to you. <laughs> I do the same. So like, it's not like it's a one-sided thing. Everyone needs someone to narrate their life to. Yeah. It's important. Rose and I talk all day, every day. Yeah. And Rose is on a TikTok break. And so I assume that if she's not on TikTok, she doesn't know what's going on in the world. So I have to tell her. No, but that's 100% accurate because I was really getting a lot of information from TikTok. Did you hear that a piece of the sun broke off? Shut up. Yeah. Piece of the sun broke off. It's fine, though. What happened to it? Where did it go? It's orbiting the North Pole of the sun right now, like a halo. Stop. Yeah, that's serious. Okay. Well, if we are all about to die, I would kindly like to not know. Me either. Because when the sun (laughs) dies, it's taking us with it. It sure is. The sun is like the ultimate... Petty bitch. Petty bitch, for sure. Anyways, so Debbie's in LA. Peter is in New York. When the frame splits into their two respective homes... Peter's actually in bed with some chick named Becca. It's crazy to me that this Becca girl is totally okay with her boyfriend having a best friend that he talks to all day long because he's on the phone with Debbie the whole morning as he's getting dressed. Yeah, he's like in the shower, brushing his teeth, getting dressed, drinking coffee, but he's talking to Debbie like his girlfriend's not even there. Be fucking for real for a minute. You're best Mm -hmm. friends with Reese Witherspoon and you talk to her all day every day? You guys are in love with each other. Give me a break. Yeah. Well, see, his girlfriend does question it. She's like, so why aren't you guys together? And he goes, because Debbie is Debbie Mm -hmm. and I'm 
me. I love this in these kind of movies where the two very hot, very attractive leads who obviously have a thing for each other, they act so flustered and confused when someone brings it up because they're just like, ah, are you are you kidding me? Like, yeah, we've bumped uglies before, but that means nothing. Peter's girlfriend, who he's been dating for six months, she actually breaks up with him that morning. Not only did she break up with him, but it's also his birthday. Debbie, in these past 20 years, Debbie has had a whole marriage, a whole child, 13-year-old child. So there's mm -hmm. a lot has happened in Debbie's life. Yeah, Debbie's been married and divorced, and she has a 13-year-old son named Jack, who is allergic to the world. Debbie and Peter are making plans because she's going to New York to take some classes so she can get a regional accounting job with the school district. Debbie used to want to be a book editor. That, that was her dream. But because she's a single mom, she feels like she needs to do the practical thing. Which is accounting. Yeah, accounting is always the practical thing. And see, we're, we're talking about actual number accounting, mm -hmm. not accounting. You know what I mean? Right. Accounting is a term that is used in TikTok to describe sex workers, online sex workers. Wouldn't it have been better if they would have, if the TikTok sex workers, I don't know, if they would have come up with a job that's not super common? I'm a geologist. I'm a geologist. Where do you work? At the place where geologists work. <laughs> <laughs> no one asks you questions um, when you say you're a geologist. <laughs> I'm a basket weaver. I'm a basket weaver. That is perfect because that says everything. What do you do? I weave baskets. I weave baskets. I work from home. Yeah. <laughs> so Debbie is super excited because it seems like her and Peter haven't spent a whole lot of in-person time together since he moved away from LA. Well, he literally says they haven't really hung out since 2008. Debbie is obviously going to come and stay with Peter in his, by the way, gorgeous apartment in New York. It has yes. floor to ceiling windows that overlook the Brooklyn Bridge. It is a dream. Like I would die to live there. How much do you think he pays a month for that? Easily what, like 10 grand? Girl, more. For that view, that size, that's a $50,000 a month apartment. Easy. Listen, I don't care how good the view is. 50K a month is just... No. Debbie is all packed. She's all ready for her flight to New York. Her friend Scarlett, who is supposed to be watching her son for the week that mm -hmm. she's gone, bursts into the room announcing that she's got like a very important audition that she just booked. And she comes in. She's so excited. She's like, I got the part. She's a maid that is strangled by the lead. But they're also using her as an extra in the background of a whole bunch of scenes. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. To get yeah. strangled by the lead actor. Like, that's prime screen time, you know? I'm not sure <laughs> I could be fake strangled in a screen-worthy way. Why not? I believe in you. I don't know. I feel like my instinct would be to be like, beat beat him. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, cut. Courtney, could you stop hitting him? You're supposed to allow him to kill you. Courtney, wh why did you bring a taser to set? We've talked about this. You would argue with a director. Like, I feel like my character would fight to the death. And so, yeah, Scarlett actually says that she leaves for Vancouver the next day. And Debbie's like, what? Debbie is disappointed. But the way Debbie has set up her life, it's mm -hmm. almost in a way to where like nothing too good ever happens and nothing too bad ever happens. She's kind of like in that very comfortable, riskless mm -hmm. zone. And so when her yeah. babysitter bails, she's just kind of like, it's fine. I'll just finish my degree next year. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And she sends Peter a text and she just says, Scarlett bailed. Gotta have to cancel. 
Right. Debbie is doing dishes that evening and Peter calls. Peter tells Debbie, I just booked a flight. I'm going to come babysit Jack. You can stay here in my apartment solo. The way Peter drops everything in an instant Mm -hmm. books a flight from New York to Los Angeles. By the way, I guess we didn't really mention this, but Peter is very successful doing something. I'm not exactly sure what his job is. So he does short term work at different companies to help their marketing Okay. Team. All I know is that he makes crazy money, obviously, to afford that apartment in Brooklyn and obviously to afford a flight tomorrow. So, I mean, I love the way that Peter just kind of dropped everything to be there for Debbie. Mm-hmm. And she even calls him like, hey, you can't do this. You have a job. You have responsibilities. And he yeah. reminds her that she's always been there for him. And he hasn't been able to be there for her the same way. He's like, where was I when you had Jack? I was in London helping an Eastern European bank branch. When my mom died, he's like, you drove from LA to Ohio Mm -hmm. that night. You picked me up from rehab, not once, but twice. And she's like, taking care of Jack is a lot of work. He's allergic to everything. He's on a ton of meds. Debbie flies to New York and Mm -hmm. Peter is flying into LA to pick up Jack from school. So Debbie and Peter, they don't even see each other and they haven't seen each other since 2008. Yeah, they cross in the air. When Peter picks up Jack from school, he can kind of tell almost immediately that Jack is having some issue with these two other kids. He picks up some vibes and he asks Jack about them. And Jack is like, yeah, they used to be my friends, but, you know, they wanted to try out for the hockey team. And and I bailed out because my mom says hockey's too dangerous. Peter walks into Debbie's house. There's post-its labeling everything. You can tell that Peter's like saran wrap mom again. This just makes me wonder, like, how are these two people friends? I feel like Peter would be annoyed by Debbie, you know? Like if these two were women, if they were both women, knowing how they would be friends. Absolutely not. <laughs> not in a million years. They would annoy no. the shit out of each other. There would be so much drama. There would be so many like passive aggressive text messages. They would not be friends if they were both women. So we have Peter surrounded in Debbie's small house with all these post-its. And then he immediately just throws away Debbie's pre-made casseroles and was like, let's go get Mexican food. He asked Jack, he's like, are you allergic to Mexican food? And Jack says no. And I'm thinking like, first of all, how do you know? Like, you don't know what's in there. If you're allergic to, like, honestly, if you're allergic to one thing, it's Mm -hmm. hard to eat out. If you have a list of things you're allergic to, I don't know how you can eat out. I don't know. But he does and he doesn't die. So. Well, yeah, the kid doesn't die the whole movie. So it works out somehow. While Jack is immediately throwing out all of Debbie's parenting guidelines for while she's away, Debbie gets to Peter's apartment and is immediately like, holy shit. It's such a beautiful apartment. He has obviously never used his kitchen in his entire life. Yeah, the silverware is still in like the store-bought silverware holder with the plastic around it. Mm -hmm. There's still stickers on all of his glasses. It takes her a minute to realize how to open the drawers because there's no handles. You have to like press them and then they open. It's rich people shit. Rich people don't bother with handles. Rich people shit. You know what? I love that. I'm going to go take all the handles off of my kitchen cabinets and stuff. Except they don't push open the way rich people cabinets do. So you're going to No, gonna you're going to have to claw your fingernails <laughs> <laughs> underneath them to pull them. Rich people don't need handles. <laughs> 
So I think the very first night Debbie is at Peter's apartment, there's a woman that comes to the door wearing nothing but what looks like a long jacket. Yeah, it's like a long zip-up hoodie that comes like mid-thigh. Okay. And when Debbie opens the door, the woman's like, oh, this is awkward. The girl's name is Minka. And she's like, oh, are you the Debbie? Peter talks about you all the time. This girl, Minka, is one of Peter's hookups. They had broken up and she came there to try to get him back because she heard that he just broke up with his girlfriend. So I just want to note that it seems like Peter is not like a total player. He seems to hold down girlfriends for a couple months. Yeah, he has like a six month limit. I don't think it's a rule. I think things just naturally fizzle out after six months. You know, maybe it's a rule. Maybe it's like, you know what? Every six months, I go to the dentist and I break up with my girlfriend. <laughs> What's today? Ooh. <laughs> Tuesday the 23rd. It's going to be a rough day. Minka says, I heard through the grapevine that him and his latest girlfriend broke up. So I came to, you know, ride that ride again. This girl, Minka, she's not jealous of Debbie at all. And no. they kind of become like instant friends. It's very bizarre. Yeah, Minka's like, can I take you out for a drink? I promise not to ask you why Peter is like so broken and detached. <laughs> um, spoiler alert, we never learned why. No, he ex I think it's about his dad. <sighs> Whatever. Like, cry about it. Like, most people don't have a dad. Like, give me a break. <laughs> Am I a bitch? <laughs> no, you're like, you're not the only one who doesn't have a dad. Grow up. <laughs> it's a part of life. Dads go to get milk and never come back. Yeah. So yeah, so Debbie goes out to get drinks with Minka. They run into this very, very attractive man at the bar. He is played by Jesse Williams, who, if you don't know who that is, he also plays Jackson Avery on Grey's Anatomy. Very interesting that this is the second episode in a row that we have like a Grey's Anatomy thing going on. Listen, Jesse Williams is like inhumanly attractive, not like Uncanny Valley. Listen, I don't want to start any panic or anything, but I think there are people that are just so insanely attractive that they should not be mm -hmm. allowed to walk among us. He's one of them. He's one of them. Like, what do you, what? You should not be allowed to walk at all, sir. You should be carried everywhere you go. Like on one of those old fashioned things where you just had a group of really strong men holding up yeah. like a little bed. Yes. I, I will feed you the grapes. Courtney will use mm -hmm. one of my monstera leaves. This is, this is how serious I am. I will rip out one of my huge monstera leaves and I will use it to fan his face. Her monstera is her third child. Yes. Um. So you know she's serious <laughs> when she's like, I will rip off one of my children's limbs to fan you with <laughs> facts for sure anyways um this is now a jesse williams stan podcast Ooh, what i'm saying is if this is the second podcast in a row that we have like a grace anatomy crossover we can make this a theme like with our our sandra bullock theme like we kind of had a sandra bullock thing going for a while maybe we could have a grace anatomy thing going for a while you know what i will see what i can do for next week Jesse Williams, whose name is Theo, she sees him talking to one of the professors that teach at the college she's going to this week. Mm -hmm. Debbie's kind of geeking out, okay? She is fangirling out because she's like, oh my God, that's Theo. He's the editor at like Danbury Press. Debbie's not excited about talking to Theo because he is gorgeous. She's excited about mm -hmm. talking to him because he's an editor at her favorite publishing house. And remember, Debbie has a passion for editing books. She gets up to him and she's immediately like, 
oh my God, I've read all of the books from Publishing House. You could see right away that this gorgeous guy, Theo, Mm -hmm. likes her. Like he's into her. He likes her right away. Yeah, he is definitely giving her some come hither eyes. Mm -hmm. And I think that it completely goes over her head because she's so just like starstruck by him. And as they're leaving the bar, he's like, sometimes I get some Galvey copies, which are like um, advanced copies of books. She's just staring at him with like these doe eyes and because like oh my god theo asked debbie for her phone number and i feel like debbie sees books like she sees a bookshelf when she sees him well is she just like so uninterested in dick right now she doesn't see it when it's like flapping in the wind like a freaking flag like one of those wacky inflatable arm oh my god either ship that's literally what he's doing and she's just like oh books sure yeah we'd love advanced reader copies <laughs> so binka and debbie go back to peter's house and they're hanging out a little bit more and they get started talking about peter again and minka mentions oh yeah and there's that book that peter wrote right and debbie who talks to peter every day and has spoken to him every day for 20 years had Mm -hmm. no idea that peter was writing a book she's like oh no he used to want to write a book but he he didn't he right did marketing instead and minka's like no, it's in the oven. I found it when I was trying to make keto brownies. Yeah, yeah. And Debbie's like, no, no, he didn't write a book. But because like, except for the part where he did, and she opens the oven and there's this huge manila envelope. Yeah, and it's stuffed with the pages of a manuscript. Now, mm-hmm. I have so much to say about this. The first part is the fact that Debbie has been talking to Peter every day for 20 years. And he didn't mention that he finished writing his first book. That blows my mind. Because I like yeah. you want to scream it. You want to scream it from the rooftops when you finally finish writing your first book. How could you not tell your best friend? I don't know. Maybe he didn't think it was good. I don't I don't know. I can't tell you why he didn't. That to me would have been such a revelation that like, do I know this person as good as I think I do? Are we even friends? Are we even friends? He was writing a whole ass book and he finished it. He never told me about it. Is he also a murderer? Do you also have children that you never told me about? Is there a wife? Like, no, really. I mean, do you know anything about him? But that's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is that Debbie proceeds to read this book. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how I would feel about someone reading my manuscript without my permission. I would feel super betrayed. We have to explain because I think anyone who's not a writer would not understand how intimate it is to have your man, Mm -hmm. like your raw manuscript. You need to mentally prepare yourself to allow even a beta reader or your editor to read it. Like you have an emotional attachment to this thing until it's published. Even after it's published, I still have an emotional attachment to it. Well, but we have to pretend we don't. We have to be the cool chick. Like this is the big secret of authors is that after we publish our book, we still have an unhealthy attachment to it, but we have to be like that cool chick that acts like she doesn't want Mm -hmm. commitment. And we have to be like, no, it's totally chill. No, you could like leave a one-star review. It's fine. Like it's the reader's opinion. It's totally cool. Totally doesn't make me want to jump off a bridge. I think it kind of helped that our editor would hurt our feelings. (laughs) Oh yeah. We would just spend months of getting our feelings hurt. She was really good though. (laughs) She was really good. Dude, like editing, amazing, like unfucking paralleled love her five out of five great editor while debbie is 
going through Peter's oven and reading his manuscript, Peter's back in LA with Debbie's son, letting him try out for hockey. Right. And so I think that's the only reason why I was like, okay, Debbie is kind of invading on Peter's privacy by reading his manuscript. But Peter is like completely reconstructing Debbie's parenting style by letting her kid do all the things that she would never let him do. He's taking him out to eat. He's taking him to hockey games. He's letting him try out for the hockey team, watching scary movies, not doing his homework. Right. Like this kid's routine, gone. Routine who? Don't know her. Debbie, once she cracked open this manuscript, she is obsessed with it. Yeah. She can't put it down. And then she decides, you know who needs to see this book? The editor, Dan Barry, Theo. He needs to see it. Right. She calls the scrumptiliumptious editor to ask him out. Yeah. She asked him out for drinks and he thinks it's a date because he's into her he shows up and she's like oh my god i'm so glad you came he sees vinka and he's probably like "Mm." i know she brings her friend it to me it kind of reads like a little immature of her because this is a grown woman okay she's not a child Mm -hmm. she has to know that this guy is interested in her romantically Mm -hmm. you could tell he's trey confused he's so confused and then she's there to pitch him a manuscript. She's like, I have this for you. And he's like, uh. I know. Can you imagine as an editor of a big publishing house, you just have to get mm-hmm. people shoving manuscripts in your face all the time. And he's like, did, did, did you write this? And she's like, oh, no, I didn't write this. So at first, Theo says, I, you know, I can't take this manuscript. I'm, I'm an editor. I can't take unrepresented work. And so Debbie, uh, she kind of lies a little bit. Well, Mika helps her out there. Mika's like, good thing Debbie's an editor. She does the editing. She did that. She edited it. it, 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 it. <laughs> edited it. Edited, edited it. And she's like, so I leave this weekend. So mm-hmm. if you could get it done before then, that would be great. Right. This poor guy is obviously so into her that he's like, okay, I'm going to read this manuscript. I don't know. I would feel used if I was him. He should feel used. In a very sweet Reese Witherspoon sort of way, she's using him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, she is feeling like oh my God, did I just do that? And Minka's like, what are you going to tell Peter? She's like, "Mm, I'm thinking maybe later. Yeah. You know, let's see what the editor says first. Right. Could you imagine somebody taking your manuscript that you never showed anybody, reading it, and then pitching it to an editor on your behalf? Yeah. I mean, so in theory, but it's the kind of thing to where like, you know how there are people that just try to be so helpful, but they just end up just kind of like, stepping over boundaries Mm -hmm. this is what debbie is doing but to be fair it's also what peter is doing because peter's in la and he is deciding that debbie's son needs to try out for the hockey team that debbie's son needs Mm -hmm. help with his friends that he needs to take more risks peter is interfering in debbie's life as well honestly i feel like the interfering with the child Right, right, right. I was just thinking that. I'm like, actually, you know what? Interfering with a child's life, that's like next level. Especially when he knows how protective Debbie is of him. 
Um, the editor, actually, Theo, he had his assistant read this novel. Mm-hmm. The assistant loved it. And right. she told Theo that he needed to read it. So Theo calls Debbie into the office and was like, hey, this book has a lot of promise. Yeah. It's funny to me that despite the fact that Theo obviously has the hots for Debbie, that he still couldn't bring himself to read an unsolicited mar- manuscript. <laughs> it's like, dude, same. Yeah. So he says that he started reading it, but his assistant read the whole thing and she passed it off to him debbie's freaking out and then theo asks debbie out for dinner again yeah he's like yeah let's talk about it some more girl he is putting in the work he read a book like he's reading an unsolicited manuscript like he like he earned it girl like come on that night debbie's getting ready to go out to dinner with theo minka's like i brought over some stuff and debbie kind of tries to blow her off and minka's like try on one of the dresses yeah Debbie and Theo go out on a date. And again, you could tell that he's kind of more interested in her than she is in him. But she does invite him back to Peter's place. And they go upstairs and he's like, oh, is this an Airbnb? She's like, uh, yeah. She can't be like, oh, no, it's the author of the book that I gave you's apartment. He's my best friend. Right. And also he doesn't know that you read his book. Uh, I don't know how I feel about her bringing up the strange man to Peter's apartment. Like she didn't even ask him. She didn't. And they end up getting hot and heavy right in the middle of his living room. Yes. Okay. So they start kissing and you you hear those sounds, the kissing sounds. Uh-huh. I couldn't stop thinking about how like those sounds are added in in post-production by a folly artist. Are they really? The sounds of footsteps, the sounds of cups being set down on a table. Those are all added uh-huh. in post-production. And so I'm assuming that the sounds of kissing are also added in post-production. And I, I just, I don't want to imagine what a folly artist is doing to recreate the sound like the moist sound of like lips smacking together it just freaks me out anyway that was an intrusive thought and sometimes the intrusive thoughts win this is a whole new thing to me i didn't know any of this happened so i'm still processing okay everything is a lie yeah i mean it is okay well we're gonna move on we're moving on somehow and so they start getting hot and heavy peter in LA gets a notification on his phone because there's a camera in his apartment, which I feel like if someone's staying at your house, you should probably tell them there's a camera in your apartment. Yeah. But I mean, I think he probably just forgot because remember, it was a very last minute thing Mm -hmm. for him to go. But also you could tell that Peter hesitates before looking because I think he realizes like, oh, I probably shouldn't be spying on her. But he's bored and he's like, what the hell? He opens it up. What he sees is Debbie half naked with a strange man that he's obviously never heard of in Mm -hmm. his apartment. What? Like, that's not cool, dude. I would be so pissed. Yeah. And he like flings his glass or drops it and he's like, ah. (laughs) Yes. His reaction is a little dramatic. Well, his second reaction is I should go hook up with someone to like make it even, I guess. Peter immediately calls one of Debbie's friends and asks them if they could come babysit Jack, which by the way, Mm. Jack is 13. Like, why can no one trust him to be alone? Like, right. You know what I mean? It's like, what is this guy going to do? Is he going to strangle himself? Is he going to huff gluten? 
Like, <laughs> see, he's gonna huff gluten and then pass out because of his allergies. I don't understand why no one trusts this kid alone. But yeah, Peter gets someone to watch Jack so that he could go to a bar. Yeah, so he texts a woman that he knew from when he lived in LA to meet him there. The woman that he meets there says, it's kind of loud here. I don't live too far away. And he's like, it's actually pretty quiet. So immediately he's like, ah, shit, I can't do it. Yeah, he's shutting it down. He doesn't go home with this woman. What he does is he goes back to Debbie's place Mm -hmm. where Alicia, the friend that was watching Jack, she's there. And they were friends. They were all friends before he left L.A. So he knows Alicia. Yeah. And he's they're outside on Debbie's patio. And he's like, can I tell you something? Can I confess something to you? And she's like, yes, immediately. I love that because I was like, Alicia is here for the tea and she is me. Like when he says, can I tell you something I've never said out loud to me? I'm pulling up my chair. I'm like, honey, I am a safe space. This is going to be just between yes. you, me, Courtney, and our podcast. Like we are not going to yes. tell anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like immediately. Tell me. Immediately. Immediately. Peter confesses to this mutual friend of his and Debbie that he has actually been in love with Debbie this whole time. That he actually realized that he wanted to be with her after their first night together. But by the time he went to go find her again, she had already met someone else. And he is just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do, Alicia? And she's like, have you... I don't know. This may sound crazy, but have you considered telling Debbie? Yeah. 20 years, my dude. 20 years. See, this is what I don't get. And I also don't get it from Debbie's perspective either. He obviously was entertaining the friendship because he had feelings for her the whole time. Um, Yeah. So like, I think that he realized it and then was like, "Mm, too risky. Yeah. And then shoved it away. Yeah, And then was like, I'm content being friends. And he kind of admits that's the problem with his long string of girls is that none of them are Debbie. We get to the end of Debbie's trip in New York. She's getting ready to head back to L.A., And meanwhile, Peter has been taking care of Jack for a week. And I love that we've seen them bond. And Peter Mm -hmm. seems like he would make a great dad. Like he has a really great relationship with Jack. Debbie's preparing to leave for New York. She's packing. Debbie's packing and she drops something. So she has to reach under the nightstand to get it. And she finds Mm -hmm. an envelope stuffed full of random crap. And it's been kind of a little joke throughout the movie that Peter doesn't keep mementos. Yeah, he doesn't have a single picture around his house. He doesn't have mm-hmm. knickknacks. It's like his house is like completely devoid of personality. Yeah. And in this envelope under his nightstand, it's full of Debbie, a poker chip from the night that they hooked up, a whole bunch of pictures of them together, pictures of her, pictures of Jack, uh, movie tickets, and just basically a manila envelope full of 20 years of friendship. What I described it as, it was like a shrine inside of an envelope. It's like kind of bizarre that he has to hide this. They're friends. Like it wouldn't be weird if he had a picture of her in his apartment. And yet he needed to be like so strange about it in his own place that he lives in by himself. He had to shove it away and hide it under his nightstand. Like not inside the drawer of his nightstand. No, like under, like between the floor and the bottom of it. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense to someone who used to burn their diary entries. (laughs) 
So nobody would read them. Courtney is like, this is totally normal people behavior. It almost reminds me of when you break up with somebody, you have a shoebox. You know, you have a box. You know what? Finding this envelope for Debbie was such a paradigm shift. And mm-hmm. she just cannot believe that Peter is in love with her. And it almost seems like in that moment, she's kind of like suddenly having flashbacks to the fact that she may have feelings for Peter. I think that she was kind of in the same boat, but I think she let Peter steer. So Peter, uninterested. Mm -hmm. And he actually called himself an unknowable piece of shit. And she described her heart as a cold, lonely desert. So she's like, oh, like Peter's uninterested in anything other than friendship. Therefore, I'll take friendship. I kind of call a little bit of bullshit on the fact that you could be friends for 20 years after sleeping with each other and just suddenly have that switch flipped back on of having romantic interests. Because I feel like 20 years of gaslighting yourself into not being attracted to this person is like more than enough time to completely believe it. Listen, I only need like someone to gaslight me for five minutes and I'm like completely convinced. Imagine 20 Mm -hmm. years. You know, I don't disagree, um, <laughs> but movie magic. Right, 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 right. Yeah, Debbie is on her way to meet Theo, the editor, to mm-hmm. hear what his proposition is. And she's scrolling through her phone and she's looking at pictures of Peter and she's having flashbacks to the time that they hooked up the one time 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that can't be the only time you thought about it. Like, it's Ashton Kutcher in 2023. Like, you can't tell like- me... Like, that's never made spank bank material. Mm-hmm. She gets to the bar to talk to Theo about this proposal. Mm-hmm. And the first proposal is that he wants to publish the book. You know, mm-hmm. like, yes. Also, he wants to let her know that he got her an interview with an editing position at Macmillan Publishing. He didn't get her an interview at the same publishing house he works at mm-hmm. because he says he wants to figure out what they are. Debbie is like, what? Like, she she looks so confused. She's like, honey, we hooked up once. Like, I'm Reese Witherspoon. I don't know if you know who I am, but... You're being kind of clingy. <laughs> I know I, like, rocked your world last night, but... <laughs> yeah. Theo's like, I felt like, you know, while we explore what we are, you working with me just wouldn't work. He's and- planning a future with her already. Yeah. She gets saved by the phone. Her phone starts ringing, so she has to go Mm -hmm. answer it. And it's actually Peter. And the words that he says are not super comforting because he says, hey, the ambulance got here really quickly, so everything's okay. (laughs) And she's like, what? And he explains that Jack was trying out for the hockey team. And she's like, what? Right. And he's like, Jack was trying out for the hockey team. And he took a fall pretty hard. And now he's at the hospital. Everything's okay. Just thought you should know. Ha ha ha. Right. So obviously Debbie is pissed. Like she is so pissed because Mm -hmm. honestly, that's not a call you make for someone else's kid. She she is mad. She is so livid. And she's like, let me talk to Jack right now. And, And Peter is kind of like, oh, no. She's like, put him on the phone right now. Right. Jack gets on the phone and he's, she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm coming home now. And he's like, mom, stop. He's like, I've had the best week of my life. 
I had so much fun. I have friends again. No, I don't want to stop doing this. It's kind of funny because Jack is essentially saying, mom, you left and my life got so much better. (laughs) I would cry. I know, right? Can you imagine as a mom? Like, I think as a mom, you secretly want like everything to fall apart when you're gone. Um, Mm -hmm. Just so that. (laughs) So they appreciate you. you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's like, no. He's like, I watched scary movies. I ate Mexican food. I almost drank coffee. I got to play hockey. Like, I don't want to stop. He's like, and you know what? Everything's fine. Debbie is heading back. She's heading back. She decides, like, she's going to basically leave this dinner Mm -hmm. or drink or whatever she's having with Theo. She just abandons this poor guy. Like, this guy, keep in mind, he just slept with her the night before. He lined up an interview for her. This guy has been making plans in his head, obviously, Mm -hmm. for their future. And she's just like, peace out. She just, like, leaves the city. Yeah. Before she leaves the bar, her and Peter get in a big fight. She's like, I want you gone before I get back. You need to be gone before I get there. Do you? How do you feel about her reaction? It might have been a tad bit of an overreaction, but also like... Your kid is in the hospital. Her kid is in the hospital. Yeah. So she leaves New York. She ignores his phone calls every time he tries to call her back. Yeah. She leaves New York to go back to LA and he is actually in the LA airport when she finally answers his call. And, you know, she's yelling at him. She's like, I trusted you with my kid. Yeah. And you crossed a line. They pass each other on the moving walkways. He's on one, she's on the other. And then they just keep walking in opposite directions. Yeah. So they stay face to face while they're arguing. (laughs) I know. I love that scene. It's so hard to watch, though, because they haven't seen each other since 2008. They haven't seen each other Mm. in a very long time. And I don't know. I felt very defensive of Peter, like he's been a really good friend. I do get that he kind yeah. of overstepped, but I don't know. I just didn't love her reaction. They're on the moving walkway and she's like, you said you were a knowable piece of shit. Maybe you're right. And he's just like, wow. That was so uncalled for for her. Like, I get that she was angry, but you can be angry without taking mm-hmm. low blows. You know what I mean? And she immediately regrets it. You can see it in her face. She immediately regrets it. So as Debbie is storming in the opposite direction of Uh Peter, she kind of trips and falls and out of her bag comes rolling out this little poker chip. And the poker chip is a memento that she has from the very first Mm -hmm. night that her and Peter met and hooked up. And also, Peter has a matching poker chip in his little mm. altar envelope. And I think seeing this poker chip, it for her, it just brought back all the memories of like, this is my friend of 20 years that is yeah. also secretly in love with me and has been really good to me. And this prompts her to like turn around. Yeah, she turns around to go catch him, but he had actually turned around also. Yeah. And they meet in the middle and she apologizes for what she said. She does. She apologizes. And then she just says, why didn't you tell me after all these years? And he knows exactly what she's talking about. Yeah. And he just, he doesn't have any really solid answers. He says, basically, I was scared you'd reject me. Which, mm-hmm. side note, is apparently the biggest fear that men have is rejection. The biggest fear men have is that women will reject them. And the biggest fear women have is that men will murder them. Right. Like, not the same. But, you know, we, sure. can, we can sympathize. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they have this confrontation in the middle of the airport. And mm-hmm. Peter tells her, like, I am 
overwhelmingly in love with you. And she's like, so we aren't going to be friends forever? (laughs) And then he kisses her. They start making out in the middle of the airport. And I just want to note that I feel like airports are the only public places where it's appropriate to have like a very romantic, intense Mm -hmm. makeout session. I don't even want to see that at a bar. I don't care how messed up you are. Like, like, don't do it. Don't do this in public. But at an airport, Mm -hmm. it's okay. You can do it in an airport. Well, also, I feel like airports can be like really emotional areas. Right. Because a lot of people are saying goodbye to people. They're seeing people for the first time in a while. And that's the thing, right? Like if you see people making out at an airport, you can attach- Mind your business. Mind your business. But also, if you're me, you attach a backstory to it. You're like, he just got home from deployment. They are long lost lovers that found each other on a genealogy site. Wait, what? I don't know. Um, Like, it's just a story. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't Rose. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. No, that was weird. <laughs> that, that was weird. Do you think some people use genealogy sites as dating websites? <laughs> Probably. It's like, what? He's a sixth cousin. Does it even count? Do you have something in common? <laughs> like, Only one Christmas. Like the holidays. The holidays, you don't have to go to different places. Listen, it's a legit, it's a legit strategy. If you want very like drama-free holidays, just find an appropriately distanced enough cousin. There are actually people out there who are like married with kids and who have found out that they are like distant cousins. Like it's not, it's not like unheard of. You know, they're like, Debbie asked him, what's next? Mm-hmm. He's just like, okay, well, let's go back to LA. Let's figure this out. And then now's the time. She's like, also, I should probably tell you that I found your book. And he's like, yeah, Minka told me. Yeah. So we get a flash forward to six months Mm -hmm. later, and apparently they're living in LA, and Debbie has a job as like a freelance editor, and did his book ever get published? Yeah. Okay. Did it get published by that guy? Yeah. This is so messy in my head. Because, okay, first of all, I just want to say, when the text comes up on the screen because it does like a flash forward like six months later and then instead of just showing us what's happening they start putting texts up in the screen kind of like a documentary and i'm just like Mm -hmm. this is not like this is not a true crime documentary like i'm not reading this i was like nope i'm not reading it like i'm just gonna imagine what happens next like you're not gonna make me read during a (laughs) rom-com Do you watch the rom-coms with the captions on? I do sometimes like to watch movies with captions on, especially when they have accents. But I just don't like title screens for no reason. They could have shown us. It's a movie. Like, I get it in documentaries. But if it's a movie, they could have shown us, like, her at work as an editor. They could have shown us his book on the shelf. They could have shown us that Theo guy being very sad and alone in New York. (laughs) Like... You know what? They could have had Kristen Bell narrate it for us, a la Gossip Girl. Right. There are options. Just it, you don't put up a bunch of text on the screen. Listen, there could be a lifeboat that needs assembling. And I, I'm just going to be like, I'll figure it out. I hate unnecessary text. I appreciate the closure they gave us at the end. Yes. Um, could you imagine if they just like walked away Right. At the airport, and then that was it. I mean, that honestly, that would have been a fair ending. I feel like they could have ended it no. there. Really? No, I need, I needed closure. You needed the epilogue. I do. I needed the epilogue. See, 
I didn't know this, but there's a lot of people who don't read epilogues in books. Yeah, it's a thing. I mean, personally, I don't love epilogues myself. I feel the need to make the side note. I am a reader. I do love to read. I just don't like to read like pointless stuff. Okay. That's that. But I I can read. (laughs) I am literate. (laughs) I have written books. I can read. And I also love reading. Um, But no, I, I don't love epilogues because it takes away from my imagination. I want to imagine what happens next. This is not my circus and these are not my monkeys. (laughs) You don't want to work anymore. (laughs) I don't want, no, not my circus, not my monkeys. I would like for the people whose circus it is to tell me how it ends. The teapot is empty for today. Don't worry, Maury's bringing it on the way. We'll be back next week with another episode. We'll see you next time. Bye.